so I have the privilege to be part of that care team that is dedicated and committed to the well-being of uh, every patient that walks through our front door, and we have done tremendous uh, things changing the face of cancer today. Welcome to First Person, a weekly conversation with a guest who's making a difference in this world for Christ and His Kingdom. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and this week's guest is Percy McCray of Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Glad to have you with us, and you'll meet our guest in just a moment. Our partner in bringing these stories to you each week is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC's gospel-centered broadcasts are heard in many countries, including China, Russia, Korea, Japan, and the Philippines, just to name a few. And listeners respond warmly to hearing of God's love and offer of salvation. Plus, they are discipled in the Word. Learn more about FEBC when you visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. And also, don't forget to download our new smartphone app for listening to these interviews each week. It's available free in the Apple and Google Play stores. Well, our guest now is the Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Percy McRae is a pastoral care provider for those who suffer from cancer as well as their families. As you'll learn, he also equips other pastors and churches in how to provide physical, emotional, and spiritual support to patients. Percy and I spoke on the phone recently. My job and my function at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America is that I am the newly appointed National Director of Spiritual faith-based programming. And uh, in that context, I am responsible for all of the the national uh, messaging and content uh, that relates to our spiritual programs and outreaches that we have within the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Uh, align all of our five sites with our, our corporate um, goals, functions, and messaging and outreach as it pertains to uh, spiritual care and specific to the evangelical Christian community. So we're really excited, uh, really, as a healthcare organization to have uh, a corporate appointment that is dedicated to uh, spiritual outreach and messaging and content. And so uh, I'm very excited to be part of that here at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Yeah, well, I want to learn more about this job, but I want to learn more about you too, Percy. So you got to tell me your story, um, your background, and how you got involved with this in the first place. I grew up uh, a native of the greater Chicagoland area, uh, born and raised there. My mom and dad and all of my family are part of, of the, the great uh, culture of Chicago. And in that, uh, my uh, on my mom's side of the family, uh, a strong church family. I am a, a third generation uh, pastor uh, on my mom's side of the family. I had two great uncles who were pastors, and one uncle who pastored a pretty large uh, Church of God congregation there on the south side of Chicago. So church was the family business, and and so we went to church every day, uh, almost <laughs> and almost all day uh, in that regard. And so um, I, I really was oriented around the service of people and servicing people and, and glorifying God and, and, and helping to um, 
advance the dynamic of growth of, of people's spiritual well-being. And in doing that, uh, received a calling into the ministry at a relatively young age, but really fought and ran against that. Uh, I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player and tried to pursue that dream until I ran head on into the reality that my talents were only going to take me but so far. And uh, and, and so being uh, uh, helped along the way by the Holy Spirit, who was, who was trying to convince me otherwise, I uh, went out and, 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 and really began the quest of trying to figure out who, who I was and, and what I was supposed to do in life. And as a result, quite frankly, of a, uh, almost a near-fatal tragic accident my, that my dad experienced uh, in Chicago, the Lord really got my attention and said, you know, in these words within myself, are you going to do what I really want you to do? And and that really was a moment of clarity for me. And so I was about 28, 29 years of age, and and I bounced around a little bit. I was in the military, and I had done a couple other things and, and uh, realized that it was time for me to really uh, buckle down and get serious about this calling that I knew that I had since about the age of, of 16 to preach and teach and, and represent the gospel in some capacity as a minister. And so so um, reversed gears drastically and went back to school and uh, relocated to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and attended Rama Bible Training Center and uh, began my formal education into the ministry. And the world literally opened up to me in, in a way that, that I could not have imagined. And as a result of that, I uh, had an encounter with an organization uh, that was seeking uh, ministers or chaplains to work within their facility, the Cancer Treatment centers of America, and I really fought against that. Didn't understand hospital chaplaincy and ministry. Didn't know a lot about it, and, and really thought, quite frankly, that there was not an opportunity to do real grunt yeoman's ministry within inside uh, a hospital healthcare system because of some of the political correctness and things that, that have to be understood and and uh, adhered to, and um, was given an opportunity, quite frankly, to do some things that really... Uh, uh, shifted who I was as a human being and and ministry for me and and opened up an entire avenue of things that I am now twenty years later uh, still heavily invested in within the organization of the Cancer Treatment Centers of America now its national director of spiritual programming and 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 faith based uh, programming within the United States of America and so it's been an interesting journey and I'm yeah. very grateful for what God has done with me and doing uh, with me in that. Capacity. Well, Percy, you've given me a lot to explore here. Uh, Can I take you back to your dad, though? Tell me more about how something happened to your dad that shaped your calling. It did. It really, truly did. And, and you know, you hear a lot of these amazing uh, stories and, you know, as some people have kind of labeled come-to-Jesus meetings, I had a come-to-Jesus moment. Uh, you know, I had, had accepted Christ at, at the age of 13 and, and uh, knew I was called into ministry at a youth convention session at the age of 15. And uh, But again, really rejected that, ran from that. I didn't want to have anything to do with that, and, and I really wanted to pursue some other desires. And in that, um, at, at the age of 28, uh, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. I was selling cars, actually. I had gotten in the car business and was doing very well and uh, loved the car business, and the car business loved me. And so I thought that was a marriage that was going to last forever and received a phone call one day from home, from Chicago, that my dad had been uh, abducted off of work. Mm. Uh, he, he worked the second shift, and on his way to his car, 
he was abducted by two uh, individuals and was driven down the road and the street there, and he opted to uh, jump out of the vehicle and got hit by a truck. Oh. And so he was thrown in the air about 20 feet and landed on his head and had substantial injuries, uh, short-term memory loss, two broken legs, a uh, ruptured spleen, a broken collarbone. He was in the intensive care unit about 30 days, and he was in a coma for about 20 of those days. And so um, that was a huge jolt to my system. My dad was my idol, my role model, a uh, superior athlete. He was in the prime of his life, and, and he was just basically cut down. And that really uh, that arrested my attention where the Lord could speak to me, and he did, mm-hmm. and, and, and really got me to understand that tomorrow is not promised to any of us, and, you know, what what was I going to do with my life, and I needed to, to make haste in getting in order the things that, that he had set in my heart to do. And so my dad is still with us today, thank God, but he has been uh, disabled since that time, and my mom takes care of him. But that was the time and the moment that the Lord used to arrest my attention to speak to me, and I made a drastic shift as a result of that, and it was um, it was timely, believe me when I tell you. Yeah. So now as a chaplain, director of pastoral care there at uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, I mean, that that those hard times with your family have really given you a, a, a platform of understanding with people when they go through those tough days. It's true. It really is true. You know, uh, I flew in, and I can recall very vividly uh, my mom and my family sitting at that bedside and, and my dad with tubes and and all of this machinery and, and, and just experiencing uh, the hospital and the healthcare system in a way that I had never experienced before and really uh, watching uh, my family struggle with, and as I was as well, teetering on if my dad was going to live or die, you know, fast forward, you know, working now uh, some 20 years at the bedside of cancer patients and supporting their families and really coming to terms with addressing the issue of mortality and where is God in the midst of this and your faith being challenged. It it certainly was a a transition that I did not know I was being prepared for, and yet here I am, and I'm grateful that that the Lord saw fit to allow me to to have some insight and some understanding firsthand, and and so uh, we've had I've had the opportunity to support hundreds and thousands of patients and their family members at the bedside dealing with uh, the issues of life and death and cancer. What do you love most about your job, Percy? You know, it's a great question, and and the the thing that I love the most by far is is the unique opportunity of being able to be trusted by individuals who will allow you to accompany them on their journey, that there is uh, no uh, cookie-cutter format, there is no script that, that you know you can use, that, that every unique situation unfolds into an unbelievable experience of relationship and the ability to provide compassion and to really uh, put yourself in a place of saying, how can I aid and assist? you through a really difficult time. It is it is it has challenged me in my humanity. It has forced me to grow and expand. It's forced me to learn how to deal with other cultures and races and social political backgrounds and to really dig into what I think and believe was the heart of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is to to avail yourself to the humanity of the hurt and the suffering with the love 
of Christ. And that has been the most unbelievable uh, blessing that I've had and that I've enjoyed uh, in this journey so far. That's Percy McCray of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and we'll continue our conversation coming up on First Person. Our partner in bringing you these conversations each week is the Far East Broadcasting Company. For 70 years, FEBC has been faithfully proclaiming the gospel in local languages to scores of countries throughout Asia and beyond. Last year, over 2 million listeners responded to FEBC programs, an incredible number to comprehend. So to learn more about this effective means of reaching people for Christ and how you can help, just visit firstpersoninterview.com and click on the FEBC banner. My guest today is Percy McRae, who is Director of Pastoral Care at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a series of hospitals around America that are unique, and you certainly have a unique position there And that, as a chaplain of sorts, Percy, but the responsibilities go even beyond that. Talk to me more about the, the treatment centers and the unique services they offer, and people who come to you just come at the lowest point in their life, I would imagine, with a diagnosis of cancer, and you've, you've got to find a way to encourage them. Yeah, the Cancer Treatment Centers of America is a system of regional hospitals that are located uh, throughout five major regions of the United States that are located and positioned and established by a vision driven by uh, our chairman, uh, Mr. Richard J. Stevenson, whose mother died of cancer. And he's a man of, of much means and, and, and ability to pay for services that at the time of his mom's diagnosis and ultimately her demise, he felt that the healthcare system simply was not in tune to the reality of the needs of a patient. And so as a result of her passing, he, he really uh, vowed vengeance against the healthcare system, but in a way that he would do something about what he felt that he could not receive on behalf of his mom. It wasn't a lack of resources. It wasn't a lack of willingness to fight. It was a willingness of not having uh, a correct philosophy, in his opinion, of approach to how to support people dealing with major sickness and disease. And so started what we now know and understand as the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, which I've had the privilege to be affiliated with now for 20 years. And in at that, the, the basic core values and mission of the organization is driven by one core principle called the mother's standard of care. And again, given the, the story of what happened to his mom, you can understand the association and the correlation there. And it's driven around the idea that when our moms uh, are in need of anything from us, we will move heaven and earth to make sure that she receives that. So if she wants her food hot, we don't bring it to her cold. If she wants it early, we don't bring it to her late. So if I could use that, those basic associations, everything that we do within the framework of, of our services at Cancer Treatment Centers of America is around patient empowerment care. Uh, it's all about the patient. It is only about the patient. What do they value? What do they want? And what do they need to help them to work through and fight through the dynamics of sickness and disease? Well, obviously, you need great world-class medicine, and we uh, pride ourselves in being uh, excellent uh, world-class facilitators of cutting-edge medicine and science. Then secondly, uh, underneath that and undergirding that is what we call integrative uh, medicine. As 
so whole person medicine, a holistic medicine, which is basically using wisdom medicine. Uh, again, naturopathic medicine, the use of herbs and botanicals. Uh, we use na- uh, nutritional support. Again, understanding uh, the dynamics of dietary function and eating properly and all that goes into the metabolic uh, support of patients who are struggling, quite frankly, uh, with uh, being able to digest and absorb food correctly or just poor eating habits and etc. And then mind-body medicine, the power of the mind and how it can affect the physical body in terms of disposition and, and, and output of uh, beliefs and, and, and outcomes. And then uh, within the framework of that spiritual care or spiritual support, uh, we know that patients who list themselves as religious or spiritual are more motivated, they're more encouraged, they're more hopeful. Uh, they have another set of resources to their arsenal that they utilize to fight back against the negative effects of sickness and disease. And so when you put all of those uh, integrative uh, modalities in place with world-class medicine and science, you have an empowered patient who typically is going to do much better in their fight against sickness and disease. And so I have the privilege to be part of that care team that is dedicated and committed to the well-being of uh, every patient and their caregiver that walks through our front door. And we have done tremendous uh, things with regard to really changing the face of cancer today right now because of that model of care. Well, you must have a front row seat then to see the interplay between faith and specifically faith in Christ and healing. Uh, what have you observed? Uh, what, what works? And are you free to uh, minister Christ in, in those hospitals? Uh, one of the things in originally considering going into uh, ministry from a healthcare perspective is that uh, I had a perception, as many uh, do, of not being able to provide authentic and genuine uh, ministry, specifically from a a Christian orientation. And you know, and I want to be very frank and transparent that uh, from a public healthcare hospital perspective, there are certainly guidelines and rules that uh, mandate that you are mindful. Of, of when and where and how uh, you provide any type of spiritual support of any kind to any patient, but within the context of our model, when we have uh, a green light from the patient and they are of uh, a Christian orientation and faith belief, we are given the ability to, to genuinely and authentically and organically uh, minister to them based upon their needs, because the Cancer Treatment Centers of America is driven around, provide to the patient what the patient wants. What do they value? If they value that, then give it to them. If we are clear, if that's been articulated and we've been given permission, then we can proceed to go down that road. And so, ironically, you you and your listening audience will find this amazing. Uh, some years ago, and we need to kind of update these numbers, we did a study just from our cancer registry of all of our patients uh, who self-identify themselves upon a registration perspective that nearly 80% of our patient population self-identified themselves as evangelical Christian. And so we were astounded at hearing just how many of our patients actually were of the faith of, of, of Christian orientation. And so clearly we, we are and we can uh, provide to them a genuine ministry that, that is reflective of their beliefs and that encourages their faith system. But we also are mindful of those who are not of a Christian orientation, and we respect and honor uh, those belief systems as well. So we have done tremendous things within our hospitals. We have worship services. We have prayer groups. uh, We've had... 
sorts of healing classes, if you will, to talk about promoting the idea of the correlation of faith and health and healing and wellness, and that God is the giver and sustainer of all health, and that we can pursue that, and that patients are welcome and empowered to be able to utilize those belief systems while in a clinical environment. Hmm. Hey, just very briefly, just tell me about uh, how you help churches who are dealing with people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Well, this is the the greatest thing that, that truly has ever happened to me from a ministerial perspective. And I stumbled into this, quite frankly, uh, about 14 years ago. Uh, I had a patient who I personally was visiting at the bedside, and we, pro- we were providing our typical pastoral care services to them there inside of the, the clinical environment. And the patient, as a result of her experience and what she felt, and, and quite frankly, some of the responsiveness that she had with her uh, her, her clinical applications to her asked if I would be willing uh, to actually spend some time with her local ministerial alliance group there uh, in a south suburb of Chicago. And I said, sure. She said, I just want you to share what you guys do and, and, and how you do it. I think that local pastors and churches would really find it interesting. And so we just did that as a result of that request. And then a green light. We, I had an epiphany. I had a moment of clarity or I had the Spirit of God. God basically suggested to me we should do this on a very structured basis because the local church and the local pastor simply are not equipped to provide conscious support uh, to people dealing with cancer or their caregivers in a way that is substantial to them. And over the years, we had heard that from patients, and we began to do some research that basically told us that many uh, Christians felt that they received very little or no uh, support spiritually from their local churches and their ministers, not because uh, that they did not desire to do so, but because of lack of information. We created a program and designed a curriculum that is now called Our Journey of Hope. And we now train local churches and pastors to um, to go back to their local church to start training laity in being able to sit down and actually communicate talk and minister to cancer patients and their caregivers in a way that has never been applied inside of our local churches from an organized perspective. Just this past year and a half, because we now invite local uh, pastors to our one of our five facilities to do two half days of training, uh, we provide all of the curriculum, their meals, and their lodging free of charge. We just ask that they would uh, get themselves to us. We, put, we provide everything else for them, and then we certify them, we commission them, and then we send them back to their local churches to begin to train and equip members and laity of their church to actually sit down and minister to cancer patients. And in the last year and a half alone, we have commissioned 600 pastors from 300 churches uh, with about 150 ministries that have started just within the last year and a half. And so we see this growing dynamic of of relationship building with local churches that does not exist from any health care organization, and certainly not from a cancer uh, institute, uh, with the local faith community by first saying that we respect who you are, we value what you do, and we want to provide you with a gift that will equip you to go back and strengthen your local church, your community, to go do the work that God has called you to do, and that is to minister to the sick. And so it's called Our Journey of Hope, and we're so thrilled and excited about this program. 
Mercy and many other pastoral care providers are a great source of encouragement and prayer, creating an environment conducive to healing and recovery for cancer patients. And we'll put additional information about Percy McRae and Cancer Treatment Centers of America on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can always go there to learn more about the guests and topics we explore each week. That's firstpersoninterview.com. And to leave a comment, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Once again, that's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next time, we'll talk with Terry Roberts with a story of forgiveness after the tragic 2010 Amish school shootings in Pennsylvania. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.